Good to see you. Thank you for being here, as well as those of you joining us online. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, our guest preacher today is a longtime friend of this congregation. Uh, Dr. Antoine Rute Asiri is the pastor of Ramara Anglican Church in Kigali, Rwanda. Prior to that, he was the director of African, uh, African Evangelical Enterprise in Rwanda. That's the organization we partnered with to build the Center for Champions uh, for Street Kids in Rwanda. And that center was uh, Dr. Rudaiseri's vision, um, and he drove that. Uh, uh, Dr. Rudaiseri has a degree in English literature, which, of course, makes him perfect, right? Because English majors. Uh, he also has a, a master's degree and a doctor of ministry from Fuller Seminary in California, and he is the author of the book, Reconciliation is My Lifestyle, talking about reconciliation, his own story uh, in the genocide in Rwanda and learning to reconcile and forgive. Uh, he, he has preached here before, but it has been a long time, and you are in for a treat. I have learned a lot from Pastor Antoine about the power of forgiveness and how to forgive and how to reconcile. And he's a very godly man. So would you please welcome back to our pulpit, Dr. Rute Siri. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a great joy to be back here, as uh, Pastor Scott said. Uh, I'm not new, but uh, it has been a long time. I think the last time I was here was around 2004. So it has been a long time since uh, I was here, but uh, I'm meeting some old friends. And um, thank you very much, Scott. And I am not going to go in a lengthy introduction about myself, as he told you. I'm the senior pastor of uh, a church in Kigali, uh, in a place called Remera, near the airport, for those who know the city. And um, I bring you greetings from the land of a thousand hills, as we call it. In the past, we used to call it a, a land of a thousand hills and a thousand problems. But today, we speak of a land of a thousand hills and a thousand blessings because so much has changed since the year 1994, when the genocide against the Tutsis that Scott mentioned happened. And uh, today I'm going to be speaking about the power of the cross in our lives. The power of the cross in our daily lives. And uh, we are reading from First uh, Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 18, and this is what we read. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. 
Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. This is the passage we are going to look at and draw some lessons. And uh, the first question we ask ourselves is, what's so special about the cross? Because we see crosses everywhere we go. Uh, when you pass a church, you see a cross on the church. We see the cross on the covers of Bibles. We see the cross on cover of books. We see crosses on necks of some people. Uh, we see crosses on uh, jacket lapels of pastors. and We see crosses everywhere. But what's so special about the cross? Here, Paul says something in this text. First, we, we look at it. He says, uh, Greeks look for wisdom, and Jews look for miraculous signs. You know why Paul put, puts those things uh, aside? He says, Greeks look for wisdom, but the wisdom of the world doesn't give salvation. And Jews look for, look for miraculous signs, and he says, those two can't save you. Why? Because they impress people, but they don't transform lives. And you know, in some places, we love preachers who can impress us with their rhetoric. As Scott told you, I, I was a major in English literature and linguistics. Though I speak English with an accent, it's by choice. Because when I was doing my master's in English linguistics, I, I told my supervisor, I said, I'm going to correct my English and speak it so well that you can't tell where I come from. He said, how horrible. Why don't you keep your accent? Because your accent is your signature. It's part of your identity. So people who will hear you will know you are not from UK, you are not from US. They will know you are from Rwanda. So I kept my accent which sometimes is so difficult for people to get because when you speak English with a Rwandan accent, sometimes it's so difficult for people to get. But anyway, thing is, we don't preach to impress people. Greeks look for wisdom and Jews look for miraculous signs. Have you seen, even in some churches, we just do things to impress people. You just move your jacket and people fall all over and they say, wow, there was power here. But what happens after? Are they being transformed? So the power of the cross is in the kind of transformation it brings in our lives. And Paul says, for us, we preach Christ and him crucified. So what's so special about the cross of Jesus Christ? Number one, the cross of Jesus Christ speaks of love, divine love, extravagant love. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, actually, somebody may dare die for a good person. I may try and die for a righteous person, but Christ showed his love when he died for us, when we were sinners. And that's what's so special about the cross. It's the expression of the love of God. 
I often tell people, uh, when I was young, when I got a fiancé, by then I was teaching in a very remote secondary school and uh, access to transportation was difficult and uh, my fiancé was working far away in the city and the only way of communication, we didn't have phones, mobile phones weren't there yet and uh, even these landline phones we didn't have. So the only way of communication was writing letters. And I always wrote lengthy letters. I would pour all my emotion in the letters and try to find the right words just to ex express what I was feeling. And she did the same, so we kept the letters. And uh, when I was feeling lonely, when I was feeling depressed, I would just go to those letters and comfort myself. And that's what God has done. By the cross of Jesus Christ, he wrote his love for us, not with ink, but with blood. Imagine if your fiancé or your friend just took a syringe and drew blood from his veins and then put it in a bottle and then uh, takes a feather and sharpens it and then he writes you a letter and he says, Dear love, I'm writing you this letter in red. This is not ink. It's blood from my heart. That's to show you how much I love you. Even if he stopped there, I think you would treasure that letter and say, after all, if he can draw his blood and write a letter to me with it, then he really loves me. And that's what God did. When Jesus went to the cross, he wrote the love of God for us in the blood. And every time when you see a cross, remember, God is saying, see how much I love you. And John put it so well and said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us on the cross so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the extravagant love of God, calling extravagant love from us. Amen. Amen. And uh, what was Jesus doing on the cross again? Actually, Isaiah gives us the answer. And uh, I remember when we came out of the genocide in Rwanda, I was just wondering, I was a preacher by then, I was a young preacher, very fiery preacher, making a lot of noise and raising some dust every, everywhere I passed. And I was wondering, how are we going to go about preaching about the love of God in a country where one million people have been killed in just a hundred days by their neighbors? And some of them Christians, others pastors and priests, and they all took part in that. When I went to God and said, God, what do we tell people? He said, preach Christ and him crucified. Because at the foot of the cross, that's when you understand fully human wickedness. Because when they took Jesus to the cross, he was fully innocent. And the people who had acclaimed his arrival in Jerusalem, just one week before that, they all gang together to say crucify him. 
So when you stand at the foot of the cross, you understand human wickedness. When you stand at the foot of the cross, you understand human fickleness. Because human beings change. You marry a husband who says, I love you, then the following day he cheats on you. You marry a wife who says, I love you, the following day she walks away from you. That's human fickleness. And you understand it very well when you stand at the foot of the cross. Because the cross shows man at his worst. But at the same time, it shows us God at his best. Because when we hated most, God loved extravagantly. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross, he looked at the people who put him there. And I can imagine Jesus hanging there and he looks at the people and he said, but those ones, when they were sick, I healed them. Those ones, when their children were dead, I raised them from the dead. Those ones, when they're hungry, I fed them. And now they are paying me with this? Imagine the kind of prayer you would have prayed if you were in his place. I'm sure you would have said, God, curse them. But that's not the prayer Jesus made because he was divine. He said, Father, that's what I came for. Forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Actually, it's that prayer that transformed my life. Pastor Scott spoke, spoke about the book I wrote entitled Reconciliation is My Lifestyle. Actually, it's a story about my pains and my sorrows from the time when I was a child. Because I, I was born in Rwanda, I grew up in Rwanda. My dad was killed when I was five. Uh, when I was 15, I was in high school. We got kicked out of school. And when I was 25, I had graduated from the university and I was teaching at the university. I lost my job, not because of something I, I had done, but because of, some, of who I was. And I was angry. And I was bitter. Then that's when Jesus came into my life. And one day, I was reading this story of Jesus going to the cross. You see all the people abandoning him, betraying him, uh, mocking him. And then when he's hanging on that cross, he prays a prayer that changed everything about me. Say, Father, forgive them. I said, Jesus, you can't. How do you dare forgive people who put you on a cross? But that's what he did. He forgave them. And then finally I said, well, I've never chosen to be born Tutsi, but I've chosen to follow you. So I'm not going to live by my accidentals. I'm going to live by my choices. And you know, a lot of time we live by our accidentals. I didn't choose to be born Rwandese. I didn't choose to be born in a Tutsi family. I never chose even the color of my skin. I just happened to have it. That's an accidental but I've chosen to follow Christ. And that day, I gave away my anger because I saw Christ hanging on a cross. But how are you empowered to do that? That's the power of the cross. Because in Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he took on himself our sorrows and our pains. 
and he suffered everything we suffer. He suffered rejection. People rejected him. His friends abandoned him. One of his disciples betrayed him and sold him. Another one denied him. And he was naked and he was beaten and he was slandered. He was misjudged. Everything we suffer in this life, he suffered. He can understand you when you go to him. I remember after the genocide, I've preached this sermon many times. I was speaking to a group of widows and I said, oh, learn to forgive your enemies if you're going to have peace. I know many people struggle with this concept of forgiveness. I can't forgive. What they did to me was so bad. And uh, when I finished preaching, one of the ladies took me aside and said, Pastor, don't speak so easily about forgiveness because you are a man and you can't understand the kind of shame we've gone through during this genocide. She took me aside and I said, what did you go through? She said, look at me. I'm a mother. And they took me in the village fully naked. Totally naked. They walked me around the village for everybody to see. And then they gave to me to some boys to sexually abuse me. Boys of the age of my own children. I just stood there trying to understand. I said, what can I tell a woman like this? How can I dare say you forgive? But I remembered the cross. Because on the cross of Jesus, I told her, I told her, Madam, I can't understand your pain. But I know somebody, and he's the one I've been telling you about. I know somebody who can understand it. And he's a man. Because she was telling me, you, you are a man. You can't understand the kind of shame we are subjugated to. And I told her, this man can understand. Because he too, he was subjugated to shame. He was put on a cross fully naked. And for hours, he was there. Everybody was watching his nakedness. Everybody was watching him in agony. And he said, Father, forgive them. So you go to him, tell him your shame and your pain and your sorrows. And the lady did. And Jesus did. And he was transformed. Today, she gives a testimony of a life that has been transformed by Jesus hanging on the cross. Hallelujah. Because that's what, and we need it. Because we live in a world of competition. We live in a world full of cheaters. We live in a world full of people who betray, who reject, who abandon. Maybe you sitting here or listening to us, you too, you've been cheated. You've been betrayed. You've been left behind. You were hoping for something, it didn't happen. Somebody took your place. Somebody took your promotion. Somebody cheated on you. When you look at Jesus on the cross, he tells you, I know, I too have gone through it. I took your pains and your sorrows come to me. And that's why he kept his arms open on the cross to embrace us and heal us and comfort us.
then on the cross of Jesus, that's not the only way we find, the only thing we find there. In a country broken like our country of Rwanda, I've seen the power of the cross even upon the perpetrators. Isaiah says that when Jesus went to the cross, he took on himself our sins and our iniquities. And sometimes we do things and we feel regret and we feel guilt and you feel self-condemnation that doesn't go away. Then you go to Jesus and he says, actually, give that to me too because I took your sins and your iniquities and I was beaten, I was crushed for that and my blood will wash you of all sins. I've seen the power of the cross among the perpetrators of the genocide. I've preached in all the prisons that we had in the country and I've seen people, I've seen masses of people just coming to repent because they knew they can be relieved of the guilt and the self-condemnation. I remember one time, I always give that example because it impressed me. One time I was preaching in one of the largest prisons in the country and there was a man sitting in the front row Every time I looked at him, he was like, he was fidgety, he was just not sitting quiet. It was as if he had ants in his pants. And then uh, all of a sudden he raised his hand and said, preacher, can you stop? I said, why? Are you telling us that the blood of Jesus washes off all sins? And I said, yes, that's what the Bible says. It says that the, wash, the blood of Jesus washes off all sins. He said, no, is it all sins? I said, yes, it's all sins. The man said, now, let me speak. My, he spoke. He confessed. For something like 30 minutes, he told his story of cruelty, of destruction, of murder. Then he said, I feel relieved. I feel peace. I feel forgiven. And I've seen, I could tell you stories and stories and stories and stories like those for a full day. Because I know there is that power to heal, that power to change, that power to transform. And we too, you may not have been a murderer, you may not have committed something big, but sometimes we can't even forgive ourselves for small things like forgetting to do something, like telling a lies that cost you something. You always beat yourself and say, why did I say this? Why did I do that? But Jesus went to the cross to give us peace. So if you are listening to this message, sitting in this congregation or from afar, I want to ask you, will you take your sorrows and the pains to Jesus and forgive and let go? Will you take your guilt and self-condemnation to Jesus and let go? Because that's why Jesus went to the cross and he was hanging there looking at the wicked humanity and saying, come to me. And saying, Father, forgive them for everything. We are going to pray. But uh, if you feel this is your message,
or this, is, this message is for you. Get closer to Jesus and say, Jesus, I bring you this. Give me peace from my sorrows or give me peace from my guilt and heal me. And we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for loving us so much. We can't understand, we can't fathom the depth of your love for us. For you gave your son Jesus Christ to go to the cross and suffer and die for us. And it's at the cross that we see the depth of your love for us. And Lord Jesus, you did that to take our sins and our iniquities and uh, the consequent guilt and self-condemnation. And you went there to take our sorrows and our pains to relieve us and give us peace. So stretch that hand that was crushed and pursed for our sins and relieve and give peace to those who are feeling guilty and who are coming to you now. And stretch that hand that was pursed for our sorrows and our pains and comfort those who are grieving and give, give them strength to forgive and embrace those who offended them. So let the power of the cross be real, not just a symbol on our buildings, not just a symbol on our necks or whatever. Let the power of the cross be real and active in our daily lives. Let your name be glorified. Let your people rejoice. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.